Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now, your host, Craig Hewitt. All right, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. This week, we're talking all about storytelling and the importance of storytelling and podcasting with Leah and Jared from Pressboard Media and the Science of Storytelling. So how are you guys doing? Great. So happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So yeah, folks who kind of have been listening to the podcast for a while know that, especially in this second season, we're having on kind of micro subject matter experts, I like to call it, in the world of podcasting, talking about a particular thing that they do better than everyone else. And for you guys, it is definitely storytelling as per the name of your podcast, The Science of Storytelling, and want to get into a lot of things that you kind of know and see and what we can all take away from this, but but for folks who don't know you guys, can you tell a little bit of kind of who you are and how you got into podcasting? Yeah, so I've been working here at Pressboard for I guess three years. I'm the content manager. Jared's our co-founder and CEO. The company's been around for five years now, and we're in the business of telling stories. So we work with clients on branded content campaigns. We help publishers make sure they have enough content on their sites to fulfill branded content requests. We've built software and analytics to help people actually tell the success of their stories and how they can improve what they're doing, how they can reach their audience. So everything we do is about telling stories. And because we're a storytelling company, we're always looking for new ways to reach both our audience and help our clients reach their audiences. So we're always sort of investigating what else we can do to reach that audience. So we've done, I'm just trying to think, we do a lot of data studies, we do webinars, we do, obviously, we have our own blog and a print magazine that we've released. And in sort of exploring all of these different avenues, what seemed to be an avenue that we hadn't yet explored was podcasts. So I think I, I read a stat recently from Podcast Insights that estimates there are over 700,000 podcasts out there that pump out over 29 million individual episodes. So it's a space that clearly people are interested in. And it's not something that I think either of us had a lot of expertise in or experience. So we decided, hey, let's give it a try. Clearly, if so many companies are out there doing it themselves, it's something that is important to this space and to the space of storytelling. So that sort of brought us to, well, what can we do in our podcast? And obviously, storytelling is, is really important to us. So we thought, let's speak with thought leaders in our space, branded content, digital publishing, about some of the most important stories that they're telling. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I have a question around kind of branded content, as this is probably a little different than what a lot of other folks create content for. So they might you know, create their own content. You guys are kind of creating content for other people. How do you view the challenges of telling a story from your customer's perspective and getting that voice right? So I think that's that's probably a pretty big challenge you run into, right? Yeah, and I can take this back to part of the reason that we started Pressboard in the first place, which is I've been in marketing and advertising since I was like, I wanted to be in it since I was like 12 years old. I I fell in love with the job that Angela Bauer had on Who's the Boss in the 80s. So that's a weird (laughs) place to start your career. But I just fell in love with this idea of marketing and advertising. I I liked that there was a psychology behind why someone would pay $300 for a pair of jeans and someone else would pay $20 and they likely were made of the same material. 
So you could create all this value mainly on psychology. So I fell in love with this space. But what happened was throughout my career, I started noticing it getting more and more towards just brands shouting deals and stuff at people. And and one of the biggest clear parts of that was banner ads. So as we moved to most marketing being digital, all of a sudden we're like, hey, what if we just put a square that popped up on people's screens? Wouldn't that work great? And just doesn't, right? No one really likes it. Whereas before, when it was really focused on TV commercials, even though it was only 30 seconds, you would still create these interesting little story segments. And I think that's what I originally fell in love with. And I just felt like we were getting away from it. And I started getting into branded content. And so I look at a lot of things from more a marketer standpoint. Leah We brought Leo on board pretty early on in the company because we felt like we needed someone that understood this editorial, storytelling, journalistic view. But I've always approached it from a marketer standpoint. So when you think of moving from a banner ad saying, hey, we've got great shoes and those shoes are on sale and you should buy those shoes, to trying to tell a story, it's quite a bit different. So it's a different, you're using different marketing muscles. And instead of looking to things like you know, banner ads and print ads for inspiration, you start looking towards things like movies and TV shows and books, because that's where screenwriters and authors have created a story arc. And so the biggest challenge I find in working with brands is is taking them from a place of you can't turn your magazine ad into a story. You need to take inspiration from maybe your foundational story of the company or your customer's story. And that's what you're going to market rather than deals and destinations to buy the product. Mm, No, I love it. I love it. I just got finished reading uh, Building a Story Brand. I don't know if you've read the book. It's sort of recent. It's a pretty popular marketing book. Yeah, and it talks a lot about, you know, it's a marketing kind of book, but telling your story and the story of your business and how you differentiate yourself from from everyone else in this super competitive digital world. And I think it applies to business owners or people with sports podcasts or talking about their local community or, you know, whatever special interests they're involved in that, yeah, like you're saying, Jared, that it was easy to put up a banner ad with 10 words on it, whatever, five years ago even, and get some decent traction. And now we're all having to kind of up our game a little bit to get the message across to the right people and the right way to get them to take the action that we want, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've even changed the way that we look at storytelling. So one thing that uh, Leah brought on board was this idea of that a story has to, or should be a three-act play. And maybe Leah, you can speak to but it's react play. And it's not something you learn. And I took marketing in school. You don't learn about, you know, how people create movies and a three-act play. And that is some of the science. And that applies to whether you're writing something in text or you're doing a video for branded content or you're doing a podcast. But Leah, maybe you can speak to the Mm -hmm. three-act play a little bit. Yeah. So I think it's important for any podcaster, storyteller to remember that you're not just competing about against other podcasts. You're competing against any kind of entertainment, whether that's movies, you know, the newest series on Netflix. So you always need to be thinking about how those pieces of content are structured and what makes them successful and try to apply that to your own story. So like Jared mentioned, we we always try to keep the three-act play in mind, which is just this idea that stakes need to be raised over the course of your story to constantly sort of re-engage your audience. If you start at a 10, there's nowhere for your story to go and there's no reason for viewers or, or listeners to or readers to keep sort of listening to the content. So you need to make sure that your story has depth and different moments where you're re-engaging people. And then two other sort of, I guess, main ideas that we try to incorporate into every story we tell is that 
you need to have a character that drives the action. So you need to have someone that you relate to, that you care about, that you can follow through the story, because that sort of personal connection is often what drives engagement. And then the third sort of thing, so you have the three-act play, you have that strong character, and then you need some kind of theme or message that readers can take away. You want them to bring something to the water cooler next day, talk about with their friends over dinner, something that sticks with them. Because if you tell a story that's some amazing story, that's great, but if it doesn't mean anything, then no one's going to care about it a week or a month later. For folks out there who who say, you know, are kind of nodding in their car on the way to work listening to this and saying, I totally do a bad job at that. <laughs> like, I would imagine a fair amount of the success of telling a story like this is planning upfront before you start recording or before, you know, we have an interview like this is, is me doing some work to plan out what I want to talk about to try to guide the interview a little bit or something like that. Is that accurate that a fair amount of work should go into crafting the story before you create the content? Yeah, absolutely. I think so what we've done and we're by no means like podcasting experts. This is a space where we're, we're new to, but we're trying to apply principles of good stories telling to our podcast. But one of the things that we did this year for a first season of the science of storytelling was to select a theme before each episode, make sure that the guests were aware of what we wanted to talk about. And in this case, we talked to different, like I said, thought leaders about a specific campaign or story that they were telling. So inherently, you have a story to talk about. So for example, we spoke with Atlas Obscura, which is a site in the in the US about all these amazing travel destinations that you never knew existed. And they did a campaign with Chase Sapphire, where they gave Chase Sapphire card holders access to these sort of ancient train cars that were formerly used in the MTA and let them go on this sort of retro once in a lifetime experience train ride through New York subway system. So right away, we have a story to talk about, which is that story within the campaign. And then from there, we ask a few questions of our guests beforehand. So, you know, where did you get inspiration for this campaign? How did you get involved in the business? So that we already have an idea of stories before we get to the recording studio. And then from there, we can choose, you know, which stories compel us, which ones do we want to sort of investigate more. And it just makes sure that everybody as well is aware of what they're going to talk about and even has some anecdotes prepared that they can share. So I definitely think that being prepared is really important. Though, of course, spontaneity and having that sort of natural conversation is really important as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. One thing I can add to that. So when while we we're creating our podcast series, we ask questions. So a lot of times what's really... People are more interesting than companies, people within those companies. So a good example was we were interviewing Beckley Mason from Bleacher Report. And Bleacher Report has an interesting story. You know, it started out as a as an app that basically fans could record and get highlights, et cetera, and this like this crowdsourced sports site. Uh, but what was really interesting about the podcast was Beckley, who is the heading up their branded content division, how he came, the role that he was in, how he got to that role. He was a high school basketball coach and he just loved basketball. Like loved every part of it, like playing it, loved coaching it, loved watching it. Like he sees himself as basketball in a lot of aspects of his, aspects of his life. And that was intriguing. So, because it told the story of Bleacher Report and why Bleacher Report was important to people. But it, it, we were able to look at it through Beckley's eyes. And it was really cool. Yeah, he started as like a beat reporter, doing a little bit of basketball coverage. He was a basketball coach at a high school at the same time. And he, he was so passionate about the sport that he was able to easily talk about why Bleacher Report made sense and why he wanted to work there. 
And that became really the story of the podcast with Beckley. So doing that, it would be really difficult to find that out on the spot during the podcast while you're interviewing the person where you only have 20 to 40 minutes. But by knowing that that could be a nice three-act play that could exist in there helped us at least have some really good guidelines on where we were going with podcasts. Mm -hmm. And for these, to to get like a little in the weeds, for for uncovering some of these insights, do you typically try to have like a pre-call, like an exploratory call with your guests beforehand? Or is this some of the legwork you do of researching people and their blogs and other podcasts they've been on and things like that on your own before you go talk to them and for the show? Yeah, I feel like it's it's a bit of both. So we don't necessarily do a pre-call because we're aware of people's time and that can be kind of challenging to get people on the phone once, let alone twice. But we definitely coordinate with their teams, send over some emails with some questions beforehand that are a little bit more personal, and then do research. So as I was saying, we found the guests for this podcast who have told great stories with brands. So we did a lot of research before recording the podcast sessions where we found these stories themselves. So actually every month we do sort of a 10 best branded content partnerships of the month where we identify storytellers who are working with brands to do something really unique and interesting. And so we already had sort of this cache of potential guests. And from there, we were able to whittle it down to, well, who do we think has the best story to tell? And once we identified the guests we wanted on the first season, so we've done all this legwork, then we could get into sort of more of those personal details by sending them questions about, you know, what inspires you every day? What do you wish you had more time for? Where do you take inspiration from at your job? So the things that lend that more human angle to a story we know we can already tell. Gotcha. Gotcha. Forgive me if this is all too technical, but I think this is fascinating. And I'm, I'm like a very left brain kind of person, obviously. But when you talk about building the character and the story up over time, and so not starting at like a level 10 at the beginning of an episode, what are some things that you try to do kind of from a structural perspective to start out slow and let the story and the character build over time? Some of that talks to kind of the first two parts of your kind of storytelling strategy, right? It's like not starting out at a 10 and having somebody that a person that they can follow through the story. How do you kind of build that up over time and not start out with a bang? Because I feel like that's what we all want to do. It's like make a splash, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to lean back to this story arc that needs to exist. So and the easiest way to reference this is for most people to look at movies. So if if you like The Matrix, if Neo would have started as the one and has <laughs> solved all of you know the Matrix's problems, there wouldn't be much of a movie there. So starting the character off in a baseline, so being a normal person that people can relate to, and then identifying what the inciting incident was that brought them to a new normal. And so let's reference back to The Matrix again, right? Neo takes the pill. That's the inciting incident. Goes on this journey with lots and lots of tension and challenge along the way. Finally realizes that he's the one and then there's a new normal, which is now the matrix. It can is the story's been told, you know, the future of the matrix, right? So you apply that. Now I know we're not making matrix movies here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're doing branded content or we're doing a podcast, but that same thing can exist, right? So you can apply this to anybody. Craig, you could probably apply this to your life, maybe before before you start or were part of the company. You mentioned that, you know, you live in France. Like there's a lot of interesting pieces there that probably parallel with the building of the company. And so I think you want to start at 
how was this person before they are what they are now? And what were the events that led them to the place that they are now? And that is a super interesting story arc. And you can do it with people. You can also do it with companies. Like the story of Uber is really like there's this, you know, it's folklore almost now, but Travis and his friend can't get a cab. They decide, hey, wouldn't it be easier if we could just get like quickly on our phone? They, you know, decide to start Uber. Uber goes through thousands of challenges along the way, including Travis being one of the biggest challenges to the company. Sure. Sure. But then you create this new normal where, so in Vancouver, we're based in Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, Canada is one of the only cities without Uber. It was one of the first companies that Uber tried to get into. And because the laws weren't in place, Vancouver went and set up all of these laws to overcome it. And those are really hard to undo. So because it was an early adopter, it actually does. We don't have Uber or Lyft in the city. It's one of the only global cities that doesn't have it. But that's one of the challenges of Uber, right? So that was one of the things they ran into along the way. So you can apply this to all different types of companies and people, but don't start at a 10. It wouldn't be very interesting to hear the story of Uber if it was Uber dominated it, is worth billions of dollars and everybody uses it, right? Right, right, right. It's much more interesting that it didn't exist and that they ran into massive problems with their CEO and co-founder that they kicked him out of the company. And that story's still going. So Uber's about to go public, I think tomorrow. Travis isn't invited to ring the bell. I've read like six articles about this already, and it's super interesting, right? The founder of the company has been kicked out for behavior, isn't able to bring his company public, is still a chair on the board. I mean, what do you need better than that? That's way more interesting than reading facts and figures about ride sharing. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole another story, I think, of, uh, of the business, but it is a super interesting story to follow along with. Uh, you, Leah mentioned keeping people engaged with the story. What Uber has done, and not to their own, you, you don't control your own story. So it's not like they've intentionally gone out and created this tension. But we are like, the world is enthralled by this, right? <laughs> right. Lyft is kind of interesting, but not really. Not, not in the same way. We're not engaged in it from a day-to-day perspective. There aren't debates about it. There aren't opposing opinions on it. And it just keeps it top of mind. Leah mentioned this before. Your brand story isn't competing with other brands. It's competing with entertainment that's available in the world. So storytelling around a brand or a company, you have to think of it in a way that it has to follow a lot of the same rules as entertainment because that's your competitive set. When you're building a podcast, the same thing. There is no shortage of podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. There is thousands of podcasts being created every hour. But why is it that we listen to Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history, right? Why do we care about the NPR ones? Why is Reply All from Gimlet interesting? Like, why are these ones more interesting than other ones? And it's because they tell an interesting story. So that can differentiate you in a lot of ways. So for us podcasters who are out here, you know, wanting to talk about, you know, the Green Bay Packers or about our business or about our hobby or, you know, about storytelling, you mentioned that, you know, you don't control your own story. And that's depressing (laughs) to think about that. Like, (laughs) we're doing all this work and it's a little bit for not. And I totally, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, you can look at Uber versus Lyft as a great example of this, right? Uber is something that we can't stop watching because it's just such a weird scenario and situation, right? And Lyft, it's the same thing, right? But nobody really cares about Lyft other than maybe they have better experience or something. But like Uber as a business is just such a more interesting thing. You don't control, they don't control that. And that's like negative press and all this kind of stuff. But for us who want to be intentional about the story that we're creating for our brand or our purpose or our podcast, 
How do you think about that from like a content planning perspective to say like, I want to go out there and be known as this and have people talk about my podcast for this reason? So one way to think about it is your brand story is a dinner party and you don't get to decide what everybody at the table says, but you get to control your own voice, right? You get to control what you say and what you contribute to the conversation, which is your own assets, right? It's your, you know, you do a podcast because this is your viewpoint and you're going to contribute that to the dinner party conversation. What other people say about your brand is a part you don't control. And so sometimes that, that comes down to like company fundamentals, like what are your morals as a company? What is it that you're setting out to do? What is it that you instill in your your staff and how do they talk about your company? But yeah, that's that's one way to think about it is you can only control your your contribution to the conversation and then other people are going to contribute to that story as well. So make sure that your voice is heard. You don't want to sit at a dinner party and let everybody else talk and you not say anything. So make sure that you use your outlets to be able to say the part that, that you want to contribute. Mm-hmm. And just to add to that, I think one of the most exciting things about doing content for brands or as a brand is that you have access to stories that journalists have never heard of. You have access to data in your company that journalists don't have access to. So there are stories that people want to hear, they just don't know exist. So for example, I think I read a story just recently. It was a small story by a local food delivery company that examined where people were ordering their food in the city and what kind of food they were ordering. So we live in Vancouver. So people in the west end of the city, for the most part, were ordering like falafels. And in the east part of the city, they were ordering, you know, Chinese food. In the south part of the city, most people ordered sushi and that's data that no journalist really has access to, but it spurs this kind of conversation about, you know, what is the food preferences of the city? How does that reflect people's personal taste or demographics in the city? So it was just sort of an interesting thing that I thought, hmm, like who would have that information without, you know, putting in an FOI or something? And so you want to think as a brand, not about necessarily how do I counter the narratives that other people are putting out there because they're going to do whatever they want, but it's more about what stories haven't been told that I know represent my company exactly as I want it to be represented? And how do I tell those stories to the best of my ability? One of the things that that I think some people get afraid of, especially in podcasting, because it's such a, I use the term intimate, and, and I try to make that as like in the cleanest way possible, but like the <laughs> audio medium is really intimate, right? It is really personal. And I think some of the, the hangups that people get with podcasting is because it's such a intimate medium, we get up, you know, alongside a border that we're comfortable with, with the depth of a story that we're willing to tell. And I think a lot of us, and I'm saying a lot of us, I'm talking about myself, (laughs) stop short (laughs) telling a really interesting story because we get nervous or scared of, you know, putting ourselves out there and telling a part of a story that, you know, maybe we haven't told before, certainly haven't told like in a podcast before. Have you guys run across that? I mean, for you guys as like sponsored content, you're telling someone else's story, so they don't have to get scared. But like, if you were telling your own story, is that something you run up against? And how do you get over that? Or am I am I just crazy? No, that's uh, with podcasting. One thing that we learned because we all listen to podcasts, right? And you're right; it's like incredibly intimate. Like it's in, you're listening to it, it's in your head, right? You couldn't be closer to it than someone like talking directly into your ears while you're listening to it. So it is an intimate medium. I think choosing a podcast guest. So if you're doing a Q and A style podcast, choosing someone that 
has the flexibility or has the ability to speak candidly, and not everyone in a company does. So we tended to interview fairly senior people, often a founder. The reason is is because they can say what they want without being too worried about being fired for saying something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because otherwise you're putting people on the spot. So if you interview someone who's new at a company and it's a tightly regulated company, they have to be really careful and if they say something that they shouldn't have, you kind of put them in trouble. And that doesn't create a great relationship, right? You don't, we're not out here trying to throw people under the bus or we're not, we're not approaching this from a let's get a scoop. So I think choosing a guest and making sure that, that you're clear about what their boundaries are and what they're allowed to talk about, about the company. But then the cool thing is, is when you move to more of a personal discussion, they are their own boss, right? You're, you're the boss of your own story personally. And so you can, there's a lot to play. Play with there. And there's a lot of like, you know, where were you brought up and how did that influence your decision in your career? And how does that change your viewpoint on the world? And how does that viewpoint lead you to this company? And do they have shared values? You can follow a string there that's really interesting. Now, from a, a storytelling perspective, one thing that we've learned, and we do do branded content, right? A lot of it's fairly controlled. The ones that perform best always have this level of vulnerability that uh, then people can see through corporate speak, right? So Mm -hmm. if you can find something, like Leah said, well, what's the story that no one knows about that's interesting, that's relatable, that puts someone in vulnerable position or shows their vulnerability, uh, those can be really interesting. So even, Craig, passing back to you, is if you do a podcast, I mean, we talk for a couple minutes before and already, like, I have a million questions, right? Like, you know... (laughs) Live in like, how did this company start? How you mentioned that there's some like remote people in the company, and how does that culture affect something that is like a startup? And what's this podcasting industry like when Gimlet's being bought for 200 million and Spotify's doing this? Like, to me, there's like a million questions I want answered based on two minutes of talking to you personally, right? So, I would say, like, my advice to everybody is the most interesting stories are the ones where you share these personal aspects because they are very relatable. I was lucky to learn this almost in the first week of starting the company. Started the company about five years ago. We had zero clients, we had zero product, we had zero credibility. But all we had was that me and Tim, my business partner, took this big leap of faith. So I had just had, I have two kids. We just had our second kid, Henry. So that's that's like a big thing that happens in your life. We just bought a house in North Vancouver, which is anyone who knows Vancouver, really high real estate prices. So we just have this big mortgage. So second kid, mortgage. My wife's going on mad leave, so we have no income coming in from that side. And then I quit my job. So now we have zero income, a massive mortgage, a second kid. And we did that all in a three-week period. <laughs> which is terrible. Like, We're looking back, I'm like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> terrible idea. But I was like, okay, well, we don't have any... I'm just going to say it. I've got nothing to lose, right? Like, And I, I posted something on LinkedIn. And it was just like 10 reasons you should have a baby, buy a house, quit your job, and start a company. And it's still the most viewed piece of content that I've ever had, like on any blog post or anything that I've ever done, regardless of where it was published. And people still ask me about it. And it was funny because my sister's hairdresser, she lives in Edmonton, said, hey, Grim, do you know Jared? And she's like, yeah, it's my brother. And she's like, I just read something LinkedIn on LinkedIn about him starting a company. I have no idea what they do, but that's really interesting. Now, I mean, it's not like this is such a big story that everyone saw it. She's connected to my sister, LinkedIn's algorithm served it to her. But that was my first real that something that's really interesting is something that is like incredibly personal, incredibly vulnerable. 
And I found that like powerful from a marketing standpoint as well. And, and I think everybody has that. There is something about everyone, no matter how kind of boring vanilla you think your life is, there is a thing that is super interesting to almost everyone out there about your life. And I think, yeah, that's the, I, I look at these great interviewers and they can find those and pull those out of everyone they talk to. And it is just amazing. I, I watch some of these interviews happen, you know, kind of in my head. And I'm like, how in the heck did they, did they get them to talk about this thing? Because those are the most, those are the most interesting ones is like the person you've heard on 10 different podcasts talk about something that you've never heard them talk about. Those are my, those are my favorite. And that, you know, people ask us a lot of, a lot, you know, how can I make interesting podcast content? And I always say, find someone that no one in your kind of world has ever heard of, or find the person that everyone has heard of and talk to them about something different because that's, that's unique, interesting content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a great principle to run with. I'm just reminded based on what Jared was saying, like there, there are moments I think when any podcaster kind of knows that they are speaking to the right person. So we were speaking with Mike Rothman from fatherly on this season. And I think the first sentence out of his mouth, uh, we asked him, you know, like tell us about yourself and how you got here. And he didn't start with, oh, I founded Fatherly. We're doing X amount of revenue this year. He started with, I was born, I was the son of a wolf biologist and a lapsed cheerleader. <laughs> and that was the start of the podcast. I was like, all right, so this will be great. <laughs> this will be fine. But that's starting at a 10, right? Or you got it. It's, it's hard. Uh, it's a hard <laughs> yeah. road to go from there, isn't it? <laughs> totally, totally. But it's like, at least he's willing to talk. He was so willing to talk about himself in a way that was personal and surprising and talk about something that you wouldn't see in a press release without, you know, saying anything that puts your company in a bad position. Like vulnerability doesn't have to mean negativity. It just means talking about something that you don't have in your company bio, that you don't have on your company website and being fluid and able to sort of take the conversation where it goes. I love it. I love it. We always like to to leave like the end of these episodes with something really tactical and tangible that people can take away and implement in their own shows. That would be my takeaway from the podcast. But is there anything else you guys would like to leave the listeners with to say, if you go do this one thing, then you'll have a better podcast? Yeah. So one thing that we've started doing from a marketing standpoint, I think marketing applies to podcasts a lot, is to draw out, like screenwrite it, write it as if it was a TV show or a movie or a book. So when you have a podcast, rather than having, let's say, a series of 10 questions that you're going to ask the other person, think of, do some prep on the person or the story you want to tell. Uh, kind of sketch it out, right? Whether whatever your most your favorite way of doing something, you can storyboard it, you can screenwrite it. We do a, this three act play, and we create a story arc and actually like pin events that are happening throughout it. It's a very different way to approach any piece of content that you're creating. But if I were to leave one tangible thing, that's what it would be: be to map this out as if you were writing, you know, your book. Yeah, this is yeah. it. Right? <laughs> this is the this is your guest's crazy song kind of thing. That would be my piece of advice, Leah. Yeah, I think on the same topic of screenwriting, we actually so we're a team of data scientists and content strategists. So we always love to not only know that something's going to be good because of a gut feeling, but have some sort of science behind it. So we interviewed Rochelle Chartrand a while ago, who is a screenwriter and a producer, and she says that 
I think it's, if you don't have the compelling incident in a script, if you can't read that within the first 10% of the script, someone's going to put it down. I think it's like you, ha- you have to have that sort of hook, that compelling incident within the first 10 pages of your script. So I think it's important when you have a podcast, when you're crafting that narrative, sure, you don't want to start at a 10, but you want to sort of hint at what is that exciting thing that we're moving towards that means it's worthwhile to listen to the podcast. I think there's there's like the meme where someone is in sort of like a crazy moment, there's a fire happening in a background and an explosion and there's a record scratch. Like you're probably wondering how I got here. Like finding a way to tease out those intriguing moments or sort of drop that bomb early in your story so that people know that there's something that is worthwhile to listen to. It's a really challenging skill, but if you can figure out a way to do that, I mean, you're going to just set yourself up for success. No, I love it. I love it. Jared and Leah from Pressboard Media and the Science of Storytelling. Thank you very much. This was a really fantastic episode. I learned a lot and I'm super inspired. For folks who want to learn more about you guys and what you do and, and check out the podcast, where's the best place to, to connect? Yeah, I think the easiest way we keep everything on pressboardmedia.com. So you have access to all of our resources and podcasts. And then we have a little button that you can talk to us whenever you want from that site. So that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. Or just follow us on social. We're always putting stuff out on basically every every social network that's out there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you both very much for, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. It was uh, super interesting and helpful. And yeah, thanks for your time. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting.